Welcome to the LYA Podcast. This is a place for authentic discussion for young adults. We want to provide a commentary, backed by God's Word, to help you thrive in your 20-something years. Let's dive into this week's discussion. Hello, you scripture ninjas and passage pirates. Welcome back to the LYA Podcast. If you don't know what that's from, that's all right. Just go back and listen to the previous episode. My name is Chase Sizemore. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast, but they brought me back for another episode. Hey. I am joined by two amazing people. We have Gabby McLemore. Hello. And Matthew John Woodman. What's up, guys? That's not the order of my name. John Matthew Woodman? Yep. I I get that backwards every time. I'm sorry, bro. No, it's okay. I've only known you for how long now? Too long. (laughs) That's a lot of personal information. You just told everyone his middle name. I go by my middle name, though. Yeah, but they didn't know that. That's true. I mean, I go by my middle name. Oh, oh, man. I'm the only one that doesn't. Yeah. My name is William Chase Sizemore, technically. Mm -hmm. But I just go by Chase. Or Bill. I've never went by Bill my entire life. We could start calling you Bill. (laughs) I would prefer you not. (laughs) So... Everyone's got like some longer clothing on here in the podcast room, and that's because the weather is turning. It is slowly turning into fall, which is arguably my favorite time of the year. Mm. So the real question is, what is the most basic fall activity? Those apple cinnamon scented candles. That's the most, not activity, Mm. but just like the most basic thing, fall thing. Yeah, that is very basic. I'd give that like... You go into anybody's home and it's like, oh, it smells like apple pie again. (laughs) <laughs> shocker <laughs> i don't even like apples <laughs> wait you don't no i do but if i eat a lot of them i get this weird like sensitivity thing and i'm like how many, how many apples, apples are you are eating? eating just if it's like even like anything more than like one or if it's like one really big apple i get this like weird sensitivity reaction i'm like ah that's odd i probably should stop huh. and then i stop huh okay what about you gabby the most basic uh, pumpkin spice lattes. That's not an pumpkin activity spice either. Latte. But I feel like yeah. that's just very, very basic. It is. It is very basic. With every pumpkin spice latte, you get a free pair of Uggs. I've heard that. I don't actually I like pumpkin spice lattes. I was going to say, uh, yeah, this isn't an activity, but dudes in flannel. Like the Don't flannel hate on my flannel shirts. <laughs> I have two pairs. It's fine. I've been waiting to pull them out. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this time of year, everyone's like, ah, leather boots and flannel. Yes. Time to look good again. I cannot <laughs> wait. Time to look good or look like lumberjacks. It dropped I, below 70, and I was like, I'm wearing my boots. <laughs> There's nothing like a good pair of boots, but instead of talking about fashion, Matt, what are we going to be talking about today? So we're continuing our series uh, in the out of context, uh, and we've just been going over some verses that are commonly misused. Uh, or misunderstood and used in ways uh, that the Bible was not intending for them to be used. Um, And uh, this episode, we're going to be going over Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Gabby, do you want to read that for us? Sure. 23 and 24. Oh, it's 22 and 23. Whoops. Oh, sorry, guys. No, that's okay. I was just like, that's not what I studied. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. 
Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he said is going to happen, it will be granted to him. All right, so what you're saying is I didn't believe hard enough when I was 12 and I prayed for a sports car. Yes. Yeah. Dang. You didn't have enough faith because Jesus said if you had enough faith, it would happen. Man, that's pretty miserable. Yeah. So the real question is, how do we take this out of context today? Or how do you see it being taken out of context? In a lot of different ways. I mean, we just talked about it um, kind of... um, in a hyperbolic way, but uh, a lot of times when prayers don't get answered, you'll hear people say that, oh, you just need to have a little bit more faith. Um, and one of the, the biggest ways that I've seen this used is uh, back when faith healing really became mm-hmm. a big thing. Um, that, was, that was the whole spiel. You know, you have enough faith, you will be healed. Um, and actually... Chase a couple months, I think it was a couple months ago now, was telling me mm-hmm. a pretty interesting story about a guy who was very sick and he tried to go see, yeah. was it Benny Hinn? Yeah, um, I believe it was, yeah, it was Benny Hinn. There is a gentleman who is now a pastor that has, uh, oh shoot, what did he have? I can't remember. Was it cerebral palsy? It was, it was cerebral palsy. Thank you. Um which, if you don't know, it usually leaves some physical disfigurement, usually with the legs, to where you can't walk well, uh, or there's just a notable issue with your gait. Um, so, he had heard a lot of the sermons. He had seen a lot of the quote-unquote miracles and healings that had happened there. And he's like, I have to go see this person. So, he flies out there to go see them. And he gets in line to go on stage. And as he's going up, someone on staff stops him and says, hey, are you trying to get on stage? And he's like, yes, I need to be healed. I want to see God heal me. I want Benny Hinn to heal me. And they're like, well, that's all well and good, but you need to go off to the side and pray more. You need to have more faith. And just sent him off to the side without even questioning anything they just looked at him and said you need to go off to the side and pray about it you need to work on your faith he was crushed he's like i've i've taken the time the effort the money to fly out here to see this man i've given so much to this how is how is this not how do i not have enough faith for this and it wrecked him and he went off to the side and just kept thinking about it and then he looked behind him and a dad had brought in his child who had cancer and he's like you've got to let me get on stage with my son and he just kept pleading and begging with these people and then they also push him off to the side and say no you just don't have enough faith please go to the side and like that is just that's just crushing to me and it makes me like super angry like yeah. really, really angry. I work in cancer care, so when I heard that story, I was like about ready to flip a table. I was like, "What?" <laughs> but that's a really, really big way we see this taken out of context. Yeah. And like these people were saying, it's extremely damaging to them and their relationship with God. Like they fought for years after it, you know, to try to get and understand like true scriptural context because that was such a big stake that was driven into them. 
it took forever for that to be healed. Yeah, I mean, that mentality is very much of a works-based faith, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I do this, then God will do this for me. Or if this doesn't mm-hmm. happen, it's because I haven't done enough. Um, yeah. And while we're saying that we're trusting the Lord or that we believe that it's the Lord who's healing or doing whatever, it's very much put our entire relationship with the God back on us and what we can and cannot do, which is exactly what Ephesians 2 tells us is not the case. For it is not by works that you've mm-hmm. been saved. It's by grace. Yeah. Yeah. And then James 2 echoes, it says faith without work. It, that's, I think, where people probably get confused is where it's like faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I just have to work. But it's so easy to get to where it's just like, I got to go. I got to do. I got to go. I got to do. And everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. I think, too, it's like an element of control. Like, it's like we have control over our salvation where it's like we can, like, work our way there. And it's like, yes, I can get there. I can get this thing done. And it's a very self-centered prideful way to kind of approach things i think so if that's how we take it out of context what is the context of these verses then what do they mean in context what you got matt um well i mean to talk about it we're gonna have to read a little bit more of that passage um it's typically how this works people cherry pick the verses that they like and they don't read anything about their surrounding context or think about the time period or what was going on so Jesus has just entered Jerusalem um, on this triumphal entry. Uh, On his way there, uh, it says that in the morning he at one point was hungry and he sees this fig tree and he goes up to the fig tree and it doesn't have any figs on it. And so he curses it and he says, may you never bring forth any figs again. Um, And his disciples are all with him and they see this. And then Jesus goes into the, the temple and cleanses it out. Um, quotes from, uh, I think it was Jeremiah. Uh, Is it not written, my house shall be called a uh, house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Uh, and when they come back out the next morning, or when they, they, come, they come back out and that next morning they're passing by again and they, the disciples see this fig tree and it's completely withered. Like, Jesus cursed it the day prior, and it is dead. Dead, dead. Super dead. Yes. And Peter looks at it, and he's like, teacher, look, that fig tree. It's completely withered. And then Jesus responds with this text. He says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, will be done for him. Uh, And he finishes it off saying, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours, which I think is another another verse that people really like to use. Oh, yeah. Even outside of uh, like faith healing. Uh, We see it a lot in prosperity gospel. Um, But. The context of this, uh, Jesus is not making a blanket statement, you know, anything that you ask of God will be yours. We see quite a few other verses that are contrary to that um, where Jesus talks about uh, the will of God and being um, in line with the Father's will. Um, and that's that's when prayers start to get answered. But uh, this cursing of the fig tree uh, is in reference to something that Jeremiah the prophet prophesied in Jeremiah 8 um, about a fig tree that would have no fruit even when it was supposed to 
have fruit on it. It was supposed to be some, it was supposed to fruit early, but he went to it and it had no fruit. And so Jesus sees this here. And the rest of the context of Jeremiah is talking about the destruction of the temple and Israel in general. And so what Jesus here is doing is he's giving a sign to everyone around. Like you have to remember that uh, the people who would have seen this right outside the temple, the people would have seen this are the temple leaders. And so they have intimate knowledge of scripture. And I, I'm sure at least one of them would have realized what was happening here and that Jesus was predicting not only the physical destruction of the temple, but also the destruction of his own body. Um, and moving the mountain into the sea, my understanding of it is that this was just an example of another uh, type of sign that, that could have been used, something a lot more significant. Um, again, telling of the coming destruction because of the, the evil that, that these leaders had been committing. Um, so overall, what Jesus is trying to say here is he's not trying to say, have faith and God will do whatever you want. He's saying, have faith that God will do as he says. Um, and, and that's a big difference. But it's also encouraging. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Peter, I just find it so funny that Jesus cursed it. And then Peter's the next day like, oh, whoa, <laughs> it actually <laughs> happened. Yeah. He's <laughs> just like, yeah, I, I said that. Like, Did you not believe? But. I can imagine he thought like it would just never have fruit, but would right. still continue to grow. And so he sees it just like totally withered and he's like, whoa, he's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool how it shows just the steadfastness, steadfastness of God's mm -hmm. promises. Mm -hmm. I got through that word. It took a second, but we got there. You're going to say steadfast. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fat and happy. <laughs> no, but just all the, it makes me think back of all the promises of God of, Hey, like, I will deliver you from this, that, and I will help you through the hard times in life, mm -hmm. which I think kind of ties back into a little bit of this passage is just we believe that if we, like, pray bad times away that they won't happen, like, we're not going to suffer, you know? Mm -hmm. But I dare say there's some uh, inherent problems with that idea and that uh, line of reasoning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus called his own followers to lose their life for his sake. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, some, some are called going to be called to physically lose their lives, but, but also it was just don't hold on to anything on the, in this world. Right. And, and to some extent that, I mean, for some people, that's, that's your health. That's the situations yeah. in life that you're going to be called to go through. Right. We lose our life for his sake and we'll find it in the end. I mean, it could be everything from health. It could be like job opportunities, like whatever it is that could happen and could befall you. It can happen if it's, if God has the plan to grow you or test you or just for the sake furthering of his kingdom, you know? Hmm. Like if I'm like so dead set on pursuing like the next big career that I lose focus on God and I'm just so focused on getting money, I could have my money taken away. So that way God can be like, hey, you know, you're suffering right now, but I need you to get back to me. I need you to think back to me in this moment. Yeah, I think if we try to wish or just say that suffering is not going to happen, 
we a are not looking at the life of Jesus or scripture at all, but also like we live in a broken and fallen world. And just Mm -hmm. to think that suffering isn't going to happen is dumb. Um, <laughs> like in it's reality, <laughs> it is like I mean, it sounds really nice, and it's like, oh, you know, if we have faith in the Lord, or like if we are believers, then nothing bad will happen. But the reality is, like, we live in a fallen world because of the decision that was made in the beginning of Genesis. Mm. Um, and as a result, like the world is broken, and there are some consequences that just are a result of the fallen world. Um, and while the Lord is kind and gracious, and He uses those to draw us closer to Him, and He uses those to bring glory to His name, and He teaches us and grows us through them, like they still happen just because of the state that our world is in. Um, and I think it's super important for us to remember that that the Lord isn't necessarily always giving every single thing that happens, but it's a result of the world that we live in. And in mm. his kindness, he's going to bring us through it and he's going to draw us closer to him if we allow him. Um, and I think that's a big one, because if we do not allow him to use the suffering, um, then that's kind of like we're not allowing him to bring good out of something that is inherently bad. Um, mm. But in order to let him use that, we have to come to him and we have to be um, wanting to go to him in this and not pushing him away. Uh, and I think one of the dangers of these like faith healing or this belief that like, if I just pray it, it'll happen. Um, as in like, if I have enough faith and pray that this will be done, it'll be done is that it pushes us away from Christ because then Mm -hmm. it makes us like upset that it's not happening and it brings it all back on ourselves. And so instead of running to him in dependence and saying like, I need you, you know, we use the situation for good. We're drawing ourselves closer into, we're drawing ourselves, um, further away and putting our eyes back on ourselves saying, okay, this is something that I need to do. Um, and that's not the gospel. The gospel is not works oriented. Um, it's very much like us running to the father and letting him use us. Yeah. And I mean, you even see this idea of like just having enough faith to get what you need, like starting to like head over to the mission field, you know, there are like certain ministries that have like went out, try to minister to people in third world countries and be like, Hey, if you just give and believe enough, you know, your faith can move mountains, you can do this, all these good things will be given to you. And they're like, but I have nothing to give. Like you're saying, I have to give and do all these things, but I can't do that. So then they're like, you're telling me that there's like everlasting life and all these great things that can happen if I'm just doing what you tell me, but it's not physically possible for me to do that. And that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus teaches. That's not how you get saved. That's not how you become and live out the Christian life. Yeah, it's so destructive because then people are left more hopeless instead of the gospel bringing hope. Yeah. I think too, when you look at Jesus's ministry, he didn't only heal those that had faith. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a passage of, there's a series of miracles that Jesus performs in Matthew chapter nine and 10. Um, and it's really interesting. If you guys have time, I would go back and read those chapters. But it's so cool because Jesus performs several miracles and it's all for people of different um, status levels, um, all of people of different faith levels, quote unquote. Um, and it just shows that like our faith is not a measure for the way that he works. So he heals um this man and he commends him for having great faith. Um, and then he rebukes the disciples for having little faith there in the boat and there's a storm and they're freaking out. And he mm-hmm. says, Oh, you have little faith. And then he calms the storm. So he still does it, even though he's saying they have little faith. Um, and then there's a man who's demon possessed and Jesus casts out that demon, but the man wasn't even able to ask, um, 
for anything. You know, he wasn't, he didn't have faith. He's, his body's being taken over by this demon and out of the kindness mm-hmm. and the mercy of the yeah. Lord's heart, like he cast the demon out. Um, and so it just shows that like the Lord is going to have mercy on whom he has mercy. And our faith is not a measure for directing the hand of God. Our faith doesn't, um, equate the amount of work that God will do in our lives. And I think that's a beautiful picture because it does take the pressure off of us. Um, it's not something that we get only if we have enough faith, but it's something that we get because the Lord is kind and gracious if he chooses to work in our lives in that particular situation in that way. Yeah, that would be, if it didn't work that way. Oof. I mean, like everything bad that happens would be would be my fault, right? It's like, oh, well, I, I didn't fast and pray enough. I guess I guess I wasn't, I didn't do enough to, you know, to save my my family member from from cancer like that would be that would be crushing yeah there's just no other way to there's just no other way to like look at that and be happy because we're it doesn't change the fact that we're sinful people and we're going to continue to mess up and fail and it's just a constant cycle of oh i can never do enough i'll never do enough and that just like brings zero hope that's the exact opposite of what jesus was bringing to the people he was trying to bring hope or he did bring hope yeah it reminds me of those verses in matthew 11 i think on one of the live episodes we touched on this briefly um from last season but where jesus says come to you all you come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you a rest um and it's that idea of like he was speaking to people who were weary and heavy laden from the burden of the law um and the legalistic Mm -hmm. law in the sense of they felt like they had to do x y and z in order to earn their faith and so he's literally saying like come to me if you're weary of striving for your own faith like i will give you my rest i will give you like salvation um and that's yeah. the beauty of our salvation is it is a rest. It's not something that we have to strive in. It's not something ha- that we have to constantly attain. Yes, we're called to work out our salvation and we're called to follow the Lord, but it's not, our salvation doesn't rest on us. And that, that does provide rest because yeah. it's weary and it's, it's exhausting if you try to do it all on your own. Yeah. Uh, one passage that, or one verse that kind of like made me think of was a uh, first Peter chapter five, verse 10. It says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Mm-hmm. No, it's not like all your problems are going to go away. It's just we'll strengthen you. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. get you through the time. Not that the time is going to be easy, but he will make you strong enough to get through it. After you have suffered for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Not as soon as you start suffering. <laughs> no, it's not instantaneous. One day later, God, how have you forsaken me? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many passages that that actually talk like say that we are going to experience suffering. Mm-hmm. Right? You have you have Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus is sending out his disciples and he's literally saying the example that he's giving is saying you're going to be like sheep among wolves. Right? Like that's it, a terrifying analogy. <laughs> really. It really is. Um in John 15, um, he says, uh, the world hates you because it hated me. And because it persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. That's pretty straightforward. That, 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 is, uh, that is not cherry-picked out of context, by the way. Um, all of Romans chapter 8. <laughs> <laughs> just all of Romans. All of Romans. I was going to yeah. say, just the whole book. <laughs> read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But the end of that chapter is super encouraging. 
um, because it says that none of this is going to separate us from the love of Christ. But you have to look at that list of laundry list of things and go, oh, so these things are going to happen. Yeah. But they won't be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's also that passage that um, the testing of your faith produces, produces endurance. endurance. James 1, yeah. And like the testing is like specifically, I th- I'm 90% sure it's like talking about uh, testing silver and like producing like the purest version of like silver or iron that you can. And it's like put in and out of the fire over and over and over and worked and worked and worked until it becomes what the master made it to be, what the craftsman is making it to be. So it's that idea of not just going through one thing and calling it good, but it's the idea of this is a repeated process. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen again and again and again. But every time you're going to be a little bit stronger and he's going to make you a little bit firmer. He's going to make your strength or walk a little bit closer to him every single time. Yeah, it's that whole process of sanctification. It's God allowing us to learn how to love him with more of everything that we have. And that's the key word. It's a process. Yeah. No, it's not just one prayer and you're good. It's a daily thing you have to work at to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, how do we start to land the plane on this podcast? Well, I have I have just one last little thought. Ooh, let's go for it. Um, it kind of ties off what I was talking about a little bit earlier just that that this whole passage was talking about having faith that God will do what he said um, and that concept is so much bigger than the concept that people are trying to use these verses for um, it's so much bigger than just temporary deliverance from the suffering that we have here on earth mm. um, and it would be a shame if that's all that Jesus was trying to say with that passage. Man, that's really good. Gabby, do you have any closing thoughts? I feel like we've hit everything. I think it is just important to remember that like our faith isn't the measure for which the Lord acts. Um, and I think something too with this passage, and we said it earlier, but I think it's so important to remember is, you know, when Jesus was talking about like, telling Peter and Mark 11, um, have faith, um, and your faith can move mountains. Again, it's not talking about the specific act of moving a mountain. Jesus uses lots of hyperbole. Um, in his sermon on the mountain, he talks about like, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And he's not actually instructing us to go and amputate ourselves because we'd be <laughs> nothing if we amputated everything that causes a sin. Um, yeah, that's a tad aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's a, like the way that he spoke to get his point across. And so I think that's another way that we can see here is, um, you know, he's speaking and saying, you know, trust in the Lord. Like, it's not about the act, like the moving of the mountain. It's about the God who moves the mountains. Um, mm-hmm. And he's saying, like, it's not like the focus is not on us or on the action, but it's on the Lord. And the Lord is powerful enough that he could move a mountain. Now, will he? It's probably not in his will. But, you know, there are big things that he can do. Um, who knows? Go who out knows? and try it. I mean. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Old rag is just like in the ocean. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this coast got really rocky really fast. <laughs> no, but uh, I'll just close with, you know, all the passages that you hear either on this podcast or you come across in your study or you're listening to a sermon and you're like, wow, is that really what it means? I challenge you to go back and really like glean the context from it. 
you know, because even if it's used within context, there can be such a deeper meaning for you that God wants to show you. And I really challenge you to read over, pour over those passages, really pray about what was intended with that passage. You know, what is the true message behind that? Hmm. So thank you all so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the LYA podcast. Gabby, Matt, it's been an absolute blast as always. Yeah. I thought you said Gabby Mac and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, what about Matt? No, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> yeah. He's Gabby, he's comma, he, Matt. Nah, he's just there. It's all good. Hey. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in and we will see you all next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the LYA podcast. Liberty Young Adults is a ministry of Liberty Live Church in Hampton Roads, Virginia. For more information, check out at Liberty LYA on Instagram, libertylive.church, or check out our Tuesday night feed, The Voyage Podcast. Have a great week.